L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ. Great to have you with us this week. And boy, Jim Jones, uh, great to have you back. You had a couple of weeks off. Scott Zarilla filled in very nicely, but great to hear Mm -hmm. your voice again. Well, it's great to be heard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of being heard, uh, a quiet offseason for the Cavaliers, relatively so. Uh, Suddenly got a a little bit noisier this past couple of days as the Cavaliers uh, really made a big splash in the trade market as uh, Larry Nance Jr. heads to Portland in a three-way deal. And the Cavs are bringing in seven-foot Laurie Marketing from the Chicago Bulls. We'll delve further into this uh, during our next segment. But, uh, boy, an interesting deal swung by Kobe Altman. Yeah, it is. And uh, the thing that, I, that I've that i noticed is that the consistency of uh, Kobe Altman and his staff, they have not uh, changed or shifted from the objectives that they put in since we lost LeBron. And that is they'll do whatever it takes to improve this team and to play this new NBA style of basketball, and marketing is a good fit. Oh, my. Can that young man shoot the basketball? So, again, we'll talk more about that in our upcoming segment. And then a little bit later on in the show, boy, you talk about a legend in the legend's chair. Elmore Smith is going to stop by and pay us a visit, Jim. Yeah, Big E. Uh, You know, Elmore and I go way back when he came to Cleveland. uh, He and uh, my wife, they hit it off so well. And they became almost best friends. Uh, I've taken many trips to Buffalo with Elmore to see her family because she's from Buffalo. Uh, Just a great guy. Absolutely. So stay with us. Cavs HQ presented by Betway follows this time out on the First Energy Cavaliers radio network. to Osman, alley-oop, Nance, pow, with two hands. Oh, what a play. Back out front to Vucevic, whips it down low to Marketing. bank shot, good off the glass. Got it down low to Randall. shot blocked by Nance. White out front, Marketing. long three. Oh, my good. goodness. Yeah. Wow. What was that, baby, Tim? 40-footer? Colin got it back, left side, Nance, three. We're tied! Larry Nance! And we welcome you back, Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elkhorn, Jim Jones on the other side of the window, Leo Simone, along with the dynamic duo of Kurt McLaughlin and Marty Allen. Kurt putting together that little highlight package of both Larry Nance Jr. and 
the newest Cavalier, Laurie Markinen. News broke on Friday, and then the Cavaliers officially announced yesterday that the Cavaliers, along with the Chicago Bulls and the Portland Trailblazers, uh, hooked up in a three-way deal. Cavs acquire Laurie Markkinen in a sign-and-trade agreement with the Bulls. They also sent a second round, a protected 2023 second round pick to Chicago, and then Lori Marketing comes to the Chicago or comes to the Cavaliers. As of course, uh, Larry Nance Jr. heads out to Portland, and uh, Jim certainly a, a bittersweet day for the Cavaliers because Lori Marketing is a special player, seven foot wing player that'll come to the Cavaliers, and boy, you talk about the options that. Head coach J.B. Bickerstaff now has at his disposal. But uh, certainly, uh, as I said, bittersweet because Larry Nance Jr., uh, a fan favorite, beloved in the community and from the Cleveland area, loved playing here, uh, departs for Portland. But as Larry Jr. said in a very heartfelt letter that was released last night, uh, he was he was a collaborative uh, part of the process here on this three-team deal. Yeah, because that's the relationship we have with young Nance, his father and his family. You know, you know, they are family. You know, they're right down the road in Bath, you know, grew up here, raised here, grew up here. Uh, so these things happen, Tim, and such is the nature of sports. Right. You know, you know, it's always better to be traded than released. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you have to look at the glass half full. But what it does for young Nance, it offers him an opportunity to go to a playoff team. And if they're a playoff team, that means he's playing with better players. And that way he can showcase his talents, which are immeasurable. You know, his ability to create for other people and his decision-making and leadership. You know, that's probably just what Portland needs. They they need that man on the front line who can orchestrate some things. And not that... Larry Nance Jr.'s career is winding down, but uh, no, he, he will no. be 29 years old. And as he stated uh, in what I said was a very heartfelt letter to the Cavs and the Cavs community, uh, he's at that point in his career where he wants to play playoff basketball and deep into the playoffs. And Portland certainly is going to offer him that opportunity. Yeah, man, he's playing with a superstar. He's playing with Lillard. Right. <laughs> and then he's playing with a guy named McCullum who is from the Canton area who's just a step under Lillard. I mean, a tremendous opportunity and to be coached by Chauncey Billups. I mean, uh, they're making some moves that are going to enhance what they want to do. They have to get out of that first round. They haven't been past that first and second round in a while. But the point is this, is that Young Nance is a character guy. Anywhere that he goes, he's going to have impact on and off the floor. And I I wish him the best. I wish his family the best. But like I said before, such is the nature of sports. Well, let's talk about the newest Cavalier, Laurie Markkinen. Uh, Seven feet tall, has played four years in Chicago. Uh, Didn't see as much action last year with Billy Donovan coming in, but Boy, this young man has an incredible upside. And in the 51 games that he played in last year, Jim, averaged just under 14 points per game along with five and a half rebounds. But he shot a career high in field goal percentage at 48%, and he hit over 40% from long range. He can knock in that three ball. Kurt pulled up that highlight where we thought it was about a 40-footer. He was way out there. This young man is going to spread the defense out. Yeah, he will. And the thing about marketing is that two, maybe two and a half years ago, the guy was averaging a double-double, 19-9. And, nine. and uh, just an exceptional all-first team uh, 
you know, all NBA, all as a rookie. I mean, he had so much potential. But as the Bulls made their adjustment to, to from where they are now, based upon where they were, uh, they just felt when you've got big that big center seven footer in there, you have to go smaller in order so you can play faster. And uh, but Marketing's ability to score on the outside all seven foot tall he has youth on his side and he also can play almost any position on that on that front line i just think it offered some possibilities that the Cavs couldn't overlook jim you look at this young core you know the backcourt of garland and sexton last year's first round pick isaac okoro jared allen 23 years old uh, you bring in a lori market in at 24 years old and uh, it was a sign and trade deal so lori's locked up for a few more years now sure. you look at this young core and the ability to grow and, and develop that chemistry together think about how high that ceiling is for this cavalier team yeah it is and uh, i think that another thing that probably facilitated uh you know the trade for nance to portland had to be what they saw in Evan Mobley, you know, uh, and they know the third pick. I mean, I've heard of very few third picks that sit the bench. You have to play this kid, and you got to give him an opportunity. I just think his upside is tremendous, and what they're going to do, they're going to give him enough time on the floor where he's not overwhelmed, but he continues to progress. And that, and then you get marketing. It just makes for a situation you've got young Jared Allen, and uh, those two of the three guys are raw. If you look at Mobley and then you look at Allen, they are raw. I mean, their best days are ahead of them, but so is marketing. But marketing at this point is uh, of the skilled of those three, the most skilled is the rookie. He's the most skilled. He just doesn't have the experience. And coaches love to play the chess game. They love matchups and different yes. things that they can do on the floor. Think of the options and think of the versatility that J.B. Bickerstaff now has in that front court, uh, especially if he goes with three seven-footers out there with Mobley, as you just alluded to, along with Jared Allen and Marketing. I mean, that becomes nightmarish for the opposition. Yeah, it does, and uh, you're right. For the opposition, it becomes crazy because this fundamental thing about basketball, it, it is a game of matchups. Can I match up to you? What advantage do you have based upon the skill set of your players that are playing? Can I counter that? Do I have something to one-up you? And that's where we're at right now. You know, And this is a league where you have to have three-point shooting. Until Jared Allen you know, can become more of a consistent scorer, and until this young, inexperienced Evan Mobley gets to where he wants to be, you need someone out there who can run with them, who could take the pressure off of them so that that defense doesn't sag in the middle, makes it a lot more affordable for guys like Sexton and Garland. I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to training camp. How often <laughs> do you hear that, just to watch these guys scrimmage and practice and, and see the different combinations that JB puts out on the floor? Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun in another month. Yeah, it is, and it's all about talent, Tim. You know, when JB used to look down the bench in the last couple of years, you know, his options were minimized, and, and, you, and you were right on point. Look at the possibilities and all the combinations he can put on the floor so that he can be there in the fourth quarter and win the game. It's all about that fourth quarter, but you got to get there first. And now he can match up from a size perspective. Now he can match up from a skill set with young Mobley and also marketing. I just think it's a great situation for the Cavaliers. Boy, no doubt. So welcome to Cleveland, Laurie Marketing.
And, of course, Larry Nance Jr., best of luck in Portland, and thank you yes. for all you did here in Cleveland. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, the Cavs release the 21-22 schedule. We'll delve into that and a whole lot more on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. We welcome you back. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. And, of course, Jim, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, a week ago Friday, the NBA schedule came out. And for the Cavaliers, uh, they will open up on the road Wednesday, October 20th in Memphis. Come back home for two Friday, Saturday, uh, the 22nd and 23rd with Charlotte and Atlanta. But, Jim, as you mentioned at the top of the show, it's going to be a test in October. After those two games against Charlotte and Atlanta, the Cavs head out west. They will be tested early. Yeah, they will, Tim. And uh, the teams that they're playing is unheard of. I don't. I can't imagine any time that I've looked at a Cavs schedule that was as tough as this October. Tim, uh, they're playing nothing but playoff teams, teams that have got their act together, that have a tremendous amount of talent. And we're going to be pushed because we are a young team trying to get to where those teams are at. And I'm telling you right now that training camp should be very exciting. I can see them pushing training camp into another gear just so they can get ready early, you know, to deal with this tough schedule. Yeah, that West Coast trip, uh, it'll start in Denver and then back-to-back games in L.A. Wednesday against the Clippers, Friday against the Lakers. Go right from L.A., as far as the Lakers are concerned, to Phoenix the next night, the defending Western Conference champ. And then, yes, that West Coast swing will end in Charlotte. (laughs) You go all the way from Phoenix, cross-country to Charlotte, uh, before we come back home uh, for one game against Portland, and then right back out on the road for two. But, uh, Jim, in the end, you play 82, 41 at home, 41 on the road, but uh, was there any part of the schedule that jumped out at you, uh, aside from that early season, grueling West Coast swing? No, Tim, and that's the crazy thing. I looked at everything else. Uh, there'll be some rest days. Uh, there are some 16-game months you know, that are, that are going to be challenging, but then everyone has to deal with that. But I just looked at the start of the season, and I, I looked at where we're at as an organization. You know, Our core are young people are young players that are really trying to get confidence in their game and trying to figure this whole NBA thing out. And it takes three to four years. And many of the young players that we have have only been with us either rookies or they're going to be second-year players. And we're going to depend on them to do a lot of difficult things. And when I looked at that schedule on the road, oh, my goodness, that means there's less practice days. There mean there'll be less opportunities, you know, to get their act together. So what I'm looking at is I'm looking at maybe a little bit different type of training camp, Tim. Knowing knowing that October is going to be a monster, does that mean they accelerate play? Does that mean they rest players more during training camp? You know, because you've got the the exhibition season coming. So there's a lot of things that Bickerstaff and uh, Kobe are going to have to deal with on how they approach this particular season. Well, Jim, part of the preseason is the summer league play out in Vegas, and I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on what you saw out in Vegas, uh, particularly from Evan Mobley, number one, but also uh, Isaac Okoro at the guard spot. You and I really liked him at that guard spot uh, when we saw him in action towards the end of last year playing in the backcourt. Uh, What were some of the thoughts you had as you watched the team out in Vegas? 
Well, when I watched Okora, I looked at a young player that's trying to find a position, that's trying to figure out, you know, where he can best contribute based upon his strengths and weaknesses. And it was great that he, that he went out there and played as much as he did. I like him at the two, but uh, he handled the ball a little bit. But as you know, most of that chore is going to go to either Sexton or Young Garland, who Garland had an outstanding run at the U.S. trials and all of that yes, stuff. You yes. know? But the point I'm making is that he's still developing, but man, he still gets the job done on both ends of the floor. So he has a bright, bright future, a lot of potential. But the kid that I'm impressed about is the kid that, that I had to look up to when they introduced him uh, to the Cavalier uh, media not long ago was Evan Mobley. He definitely is seven foot tall. He handles the ball just as well as most of our guards. And he has an outside shot already. He understands how to play. Uh, and I think he's going to be an exceptional one. They're talking about playing it maybe at the power forward. But I bet you it's going to be strictly based on matchups because of his uh, physique at this point in his life and career. I could see him playing a lot of small forwards so that every night he goes out there, he has a distinct advantage on the physical side. His skill set right now is as good as anyone in the NBA. He just has to get experience. And uh, we have to be concerned about not overworking him early. We talked about that grueling October uh, once the Cavs play those two home games where they head out west. And I wanted to ask you about a, a comfort level for a young player and how long that takes uh, as far as getting acclimated to the NBA game. Uh, Evan Mobley, I'm sure, on opening night isn't going to come out and just you know set the house on fire. I mean, he may. But generally, how long does it take for a young player to get comfortable and acclimated to the game at this level? Tim, I think that's a great question. And I, I think a lot of it depends on the, the kind of coaching staff of where the team is as far as talent level. Uh, if they're playing in the East versus the West, all of that makes a difference. But the something I noticed in this kid is that he and Garland are the two most highly skilled young players, rookies, and even first-year players, second-year player in Garland's case, and in this kid's case, he's a rookie. They're the most skilled young kids I think the Cavs have drafted in a long time. They can do a lot of different things already. So you're over the hump as far as teaching them how to shoot, maybe handle the ball, maybe to pass. Those two players in particular, they don't have those issues. They're really complete players. The only thing that was that Garland was missing was the experience of the league. Right. And the same thing with this kid. He's, he doesn't have the experience of the league. And plus, he's a big guy. So strength is important. And he has to develop physically. Jim, what's the biggest adjustment that a young player has to make? The biggest adjustment is the talent level. Right. The second biggest adjustment is dealing with the road. The third biggest adjustment is what do I do when I'm home because there's nothing for me to do. I'm 19 years old. Would I just continue to play video games all day or what? You know, so those are some of the things that they have to deal with. But the skill level is there, and that's going to serve both of those players well, just like it served Garland well last season. It's going to serve this kid well because I can't think of a if they're going to play him at the small forward or the power forward based upon matchups. The guy that he's going against probably won't be as skilled as him because he's a legit seven-footer 
who can put it on the floor like a guard. He can pass. He has a hook shot. He finishes at the rim. He blocks shots. He rebounds, and he can pass. That's right. All of this in a 19-year-old kid. Wow. Jim, we mentioned the preseason and, of course, the regular season, but before that, training camp. And, and you alluded to the fact that JB and the staff may approach it a little bit differently uh, with that grueling West Coast swing uh, right out of the chute. So what's the biggest question mark for you, or what's the one thing that you really are going to keep an eye on when training camp opens uh, September 28th, less than a month now? A couple things, Jim. The first thing is, who are we starting the second thing is uh, who's going to be in that eight-man rotation, and you don't necessarily have to have an eight-man rotation this early. But the third thing has to be how soon JB and uh, his people can get these kids to be competitive where they're there in the fourth quarter. That's the key in our league. And by the way, speaking of uh, JB staff, uh, Cavs recently announced that uh, Sidney Lowe will now be coming on board. And, of course, uh, the Cavaliers organization, very familiar with Sydney, he was here with Coach Fratello. Yeah, and Sydney's a very special guy. And uh, when you look at his resume, experience is a gimme. He really knows how to coach, and he's very good with young players. Doesn't raise his voice, doesn't swear, always cool and calm, wears the best suits you'll see in the league. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's everything that young players need to gravitate to. Look at Bickerstaff. He's got his hands full this season. And for them to make that move to bring in a Sidney Lowe, who everybody else wanted, that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, so Sidney Lowe uh, joins Antonio Lang and uh, the rest of the crew on that Cavaliers bench. And so uh, it's hard to believe that camp indeed uh, will get underway uh, in about a month. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back, settling into the Legends Chair, Elmore Smith, or... Big E, as Jim Jones calls him. We'll hear from Elmore after this on the Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. This past week, the Cavaliers teamed up with KeyBank to help serve food from Cleveland Food Bank to deserving Clark Fulton families as part of our Cavs community market. This summer, KeyBank has helped us contribute $15,000 toward feeding the Cleveland community with nourishing food. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Got my head on my shoulders, feet on the ground, keep begging Oh, how about Marty Allen coming out of the break with that blues sound, man? Love it. Welcome back. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones, the aforementioned Marty Allen along with Leo Simone and Kurt McLaughlin on the other side of the window. Uh, Jim, normally when we have a guest in the Legends Chair uh, we kind of picture them in the Legends Chair. We create our visual of the guest in the Legends Chair. But, boy, on this edition of Cavs HQ, the legend, Elmore Smith, is in the chair right next to me. He joins us in studio 
for Cavs HQ. Elmore, just an honor and a privilege to have you on this edition of Cavs HQ. It's great to have you join us. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate you thinking about me. So what brings you downtown and what brings you to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse so that uh, we can have you sitting right in studio for Cavs HQ? Well, it's really an unfortunate situation. My family and I are uh, caring for my 92-year-old mother-in-law, and uh, she's had some ups and downs to a point where I'm kind of uh, afraid to to leave my wife to have to struggle to continue to take care of her. And so the Kentucky Hall of Fame uh, induction is going to be held September 7th, and because I'm not able to, to be there, the Cavaliers have kindly uh, volunteered to videotape my acceptance speech. Oh, very nice. Well, our thoughts and our best wishes on your family issue, but certainly congratulations on the Hall of Fame induction. Now, that's the state of Ohio, because you are state of Kentucky, because you went to Kentucky State. So you're going into the Kentucky, as in the entire state Hall of Fame. Yes, it's uh, it's for the state of Kentucky. Again, I was inducted into the Kentucky State Hall of Fame back in 2000. Right. And this truly is an honor to be uh, viewed as uh, deserving to be honored with the rest of the, the inductees. Well, a guy that you know very, very well, he considers you a close friend, although you may have done some battle on the hardwood as well at times. Uh, Jim Jones, uh, Jim, I know you're anxious to share some stories and some thoughts with Elmore as well. Yes, I am. And E, I just want to congratulate you on all levels, on your family, the kind of man that you are. You've always been consistent with me and uh, the relationships that we've had with our children and our wives together. And uh, I just want to tell one quick story. If uh, E hadn't had bad knees, he definitely would be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, there's no way to get around that. But the one thing that I remember, one time I was guarding you in L.A., and we had become just light friends then because we knew Bob McAdoo, who was both of our friends. And I remember guarding you in the low post. We're trying to guard you in the low post. <laughs> and I was literally pushing him, and nothing was working. I couldn't get him off that low block because he was incredibly strong. And uh, I remember you said, now, come on, Jim. Stop now, Jim. <laughs> And I remember that politely, I'm sure <laughs> I remember I pushed you and you turned around and I balled my fists up and they were at my side like like I was at attention. But my fists were balled. And I remember you grabbed me by the wrist and I tried to shake and get away and I couldn't. And you didn't flinch. You didn't change your demeanor. Your body didn't tweak or anything. You just said, now, come on, Jim. Calm down. And something in me said, yeah, I better calm down. (laughs) But, Tim, the thing I'm getting to about Elmore, and this is all about you, E, I want you to tell us a story on how you got into basketball. And this may take three or four minutes, but I think people need to understand that everybody's ascent to the top is not the traditional way. Well, Jim, you know, my my career started in uh, Macon, Georgia. Over a summer of 1967, I grew from 5'11 to 6'6 and from 6'6 to 7 feet. And and you know my brothers, we all kind of grew the same way. And uh, one day in in high school, my high school principal, Dr. R.J. Martin, came up to me and said, Listen, son, if you don't go out for the basketball team, I'm going to kick you off campus. (laughs) 
<laughs> and see, he had a reputation because in my high school, Battle Hudson High School, you had a lot of guys that came from there, like Julius Adam played football for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Hart played football for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Then you had uh, uh, little Richard Penniman. Uh, he lived down the street from my grandmother. And Otis Redding. Uh, oh. My parents and his parents went to school together. And so the principal had to be a little tough cookie. So I had heard about his reputation. So I, I didn't challenge him. The next day I went out for the team. And it's amazing how some of the guys that was on that team still remember when I came out. They still laugh. They said, man, you couldn't even dribble the ball. and You know, you were trying to dribble the ball with your feet, you know. <laughs> but as time went on, I, I developed a... a, a the ability to be able to dribble the ball. So in high school, I did make the layup line look good. <laughs> and, and uh, But then I, from that, I got three scholarship offers, one from uh, Kentucky State, one from uh, Wiley College out in Texas, and, and Fort Valley State in, in Georgia. And uh, I accepted the one for Wiley College because I had friends from Macon that uh, ended up going to Wiley College. But... One day the coach came over to me and said, son, you see that guy standing over there beside the, the wall? I said, yeah. He said, that's my center. He said, you probably ain't going to never get to play. So I asked him, why did you bring me here? He says, so that nobody else would get you. And so uh, the only game that I played in at Wiley College, it was like uh, the coach put me in after uh, the third quarter, and he told me not to uh, go across half court, but don't let anybody score. Wiley College hadn't won a game in three years, but we won that game. Uh, I didn't let anybody score. But after I went home for the Christmas holidays, I decided I didn't want to go back to Wiley College. And I, uh, Coach Mitchell at Kentucky State found out I wasn't going back to Wiley, and he invited me to come to uh, Kentucky State. But it didn't take long for him to realize that I really didn't know anything about basketball. And so... One day he walked up to me. He says, Elmore, I'm going to have to take your scholarship. I said, what's wrong? He said, you've been here and you haven't learned how to do anything. And I, I always had a temper. So I took my wet jersey off and balled it up and hit him in the chest with it. I said, listen, <laughs> you knew I couldn't play when I came here. And so I went and dressed and, and uh, was walking out the gym. And he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. I didn't have any money in my pocket. I was going to thumb my way all the way back to Georgia. <laughs> <clears throat> But he said, why don't you go sleep it off and think about it, and we get together tomorrow. So I did. I I went to my uh, dorm room, and I prayed to God, who I had no idea who he was. But my mom used to always say, you got to pray, you know, and so I did. And I went to sleep and got up the next day and did what I normally do. I went with the team. We ran cross country, and then we went into practice. And the coach told me to, told the starting center to turn his jersey over and uh, he was going to be green, and I was going to be gold. And so he did, and we were running up, and he put me in in with the starting five, and I mean the starting four. And then uh, we were running up and down the court, and he said, uh, he took the the starting center out, and I heard him over there arguing. He said, son, what's wrong with you? You're not getting any rebounds, and you're uh, you're not scoring any points. And he looked at the coach and said, coach, He's not letting anybody score. He's not letting anybody <laughs> rebound. And so the coach looked at me and he smiled. He said, that's right. And from that point on, in September, I was able to start practicing with the team. And then we 
uh, it brought Travis Grant in. That's another story. But last month, one of my ex-teammates called me. He says, E, some of the guys and I were talking, and we were trying to figure out, we know you came to Kentucky State and you didn't know how to play. But tell us, when did it click? I said, what do you mean, when did it click? When did you learn how to play the way you did? I said, man, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Great storytelling from Elmore Smith. Again, he's sitting in our Legends chair in studio in the Legends chair. We're going to sneak in a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll hear more from Elmore. Stay with us. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. I want to dance with you, baby, but don't move around so fast. I want to dance with you, baby, but don't move around so fast. You're really moving me, baby, and you know that I can't let Oh, that's good stuff as we welcome you back. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, Elmore Smith, I don't know about you, but I can visualize Jim Jones on a dance floor with that song. Can't you? Right? Hey, hey, I've seen him do it. <laughs> hey, you know, Jim always brags about his boogaloo, oh, man. Oh, he, he can dance. He can, he can dance. I used to, hey, Elmar, used to be. <laughs> well, at least you used to could. I never did. <laughs> hey, but Tim, there's so much history in Elmore Smith. Uh, I did want to make sure that I know you do your homework, so Make sure that we talk a little bit about Kentucky State, and then I want to talk about his entrepreneurship. Well, take it away on Kentucky State, Jim. Yeah, uh, Elmore, I was reading the paper. I was in high school, and I remember they said that this team called Kentucky State, which was arguably the best college team, uh, small school, black school, or major college team in the country, was playing a team in Eau Claire, which was a state school in Wisconsin. They were rated number two you guys were rated number one. I don't think you had lost a game in a couple of years. And I remember this. How, how badly did you beat them? And then talk a little bit about Kentucky State. Well, to be honest with you, Jim, I can't remember hardly any of the scores of the teams that we played against. <laughs> but uh, it, it was fun. You know, the hardest part of our team being uh, together was practice. Uh, we would rather play a game than to practice because our practice was so hard. It was unbelievable. And that's why we had guys in position. Like, for instance, I averaged uh, 24 rebounds a game. Oh. Now, uh, William Graham, who was the power forward, averaged 16 rebounds a game. I averaged 25 points a game. Travis averaged, what, 35 points a game. But we just learned to do our job well, and it, and it was just amazing how – and we developed this unity that still exists today, Jim. We still have our team reunions uh, throughout the country, depending mm-hmm. on who's hosting it. And, uh, but Kentucky State had a, a, a situation where we had a coach that just – he was a no-nonsense kind of guy. And even though uh, I had that incident with him, I had a lot of respect for him because – he had never coached a guy my size, so he went and bought videos, and he and I sat and watched them, 
And uh, that's really basically how I kind of got the idea of what a center was supposed to do. But as a kid growing up, you know, Jim, I used to do like 500 toe raises a day. So I had leaping ability that, that, you know, I didn't know why I was doing it at the time, and I'd do uh, 200 push-ups a day. And uh, it takes my younger brother, Keith, that you know, to tell you these stories. But Kentucky State, it was a great time, and I'll never forget. When I left Wiley College and went to Kentucky State, I was red-shirted for a while. But during the time I was redshirted, they brought Travis in to to view the campus and try to convince him to come to Kentucky State. Now, think about this. I had never played the game of basketball before. But when I saw Travis, I said, Travis, I think it would be wise if you came here to school. I can feel something's going to happen. But I have oh. no idea what. I really think you ought to come. And I convinced Tra- <laughs> Travis to come to Kentucky State. And I tell you what's amazing to me. Travis' uh, jersey is in the Hall of Fame from college, and so is my jersey. Uh, Mm -hmm. Travis was scoring uh, 4,045 points a college season, and mine for having the most rebounds in a season, 799 rebounds. Wow. But I enjoyed rebounding because I used to like to watch Travis shoot. And uh, throughout my – to be honest, Jim, you you and Austin, and I tell Austin this all the time, Y'all brought the fun back to my game because <laughs> I scored if I needed to, but I, I enjoyed rebounding and defending the, the basket. And uh, you guys, uh, if I got a rebound, I didn't even have to look. All I had to do was throw it. I knew you was going to be under it. <laughs> yep, you did. You did. <laughs> and and uh, you gave it to Camp uh, Austin, and you know what he did with it. <laughs> he shot it. Yeah. AC shot it. There was never any doubt about that. Elmore, you've talked about your rebounding. You were also a tremendous shot blocker. Uh, you And rim protection, they would call that today. <laughs> well, you know, that's because of my leaping ability. And see, as a kid, my brother was talking about this the other day there. We were being interviewed for a book that's being written about my life story, and uh, it took like 20 years to get to this point. But he told a part about how he used to sit around and watch me catch flies out of the air. I always used to just enjoy doing little stupid, silly things. But it helped with my timing, you know, and then jumping rope with my sister, it didn't hurt anything. And so it, it was just an automatic thing for me to protect the basket. And and I, they talk about that uh, record that I have, 17 block shots. but And everybody's surprised about that, but I was surprised too. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I couldn't believe they, they thought I was joking. You know, they just kept driving in, trying to trying to score, and I'll never forget. Keith Erickson, he was playing with Portland at the time. He said, man, you're having fun tonight, huh? I said, what do you mean? He said, you ain't letting nobody score. I hadn't noticed because in playing ball, we never uh, kept statistics. You know, we didn't uh, care about how many points. Or we just tried to do our job to the best of our abilities. And I just happened to be on teams with uh, guys that really appreciated that. Before we let you go, we got a couple of minutes left, and Jim referenced, well, you've had a tremendous post-basketball career as far as uh, being an entrepreneur and a businessman. Uh, tell our audience about that, Elmore. Well, in 1974, my family and I used to entertain a lot with the Lakers, and I developed this uh, formula for barbecue sauce. And I didn't think that much of it, but I could tell people could tell when I wasn't sticking with that formula because if I deviated at all, they would make a comment about it. So in 06, uh, guys liked it so much, they said, man, you need to market this sauce. And so I 
did what I needed to do to get in a position to market it. And uh, I went over to Whole Foods to introduce it to them, and the guy met me at the door. He says, you're Elmore Smith, right? I said, yeah. He said, we'd like to talk to you about your barbecue sauce. And so we went in and talked about it, and uh, he says, Could, would you go up to Columbus and talk to uh, some, of the, some of our people about your product? I said, yeah. So this happened, I think, in 2009. And they've had my barbecue sauce in their stores ever since. And uh, Whole Foods, uh, now Giant Eagles, some of the Giant Eagle stores carry it. But, you know, since 74 up until this day, I haven't had anybody to try the sauce that didn't like it. So I'm going to yeah. try it. I'm going <laughs> to try it. It's the only barbecue sauce we have in our house. <laughs> Jim, that proves that you still got good taste. That's right. <laughs> Well, that's the perfect note to wrap things up on. Elmore, I've got to tell you, this has been a, a real privilege and an honor. And, uh, boy, anytime you're down around uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, head down to the studio. We'd love to talk to you again. Hey, thank you very much. It's nice being here. This has been congratulations, a real Congratulations, yes. Congratulations. And, again, congratulations. Elmore Smith, he's sitting in the Legends chair today on Caps HQ, presented by Betway. We'll have more after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back, Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Again, a huge thank you to Elmore Smith for stopping by and paying us a visit in the Legends Chair. Jim, what a gracious, humble man. Yeah, he is, until you get him on the basketball court. (laughs) (laughs) He was a very physical guy, and uh, the unique thing about him is the story that I told you uh, during uh, his interview. But uh, I'm telling you, Elmore is one of the greatest people that I've ever met. His leadership, his entrepreneurship, you know, the way he treats people. You know, he's just a special guy, great family. Uh, I just love the guy. You know, I've known him now for over 30 years. Yeah, that was a great interview. And again, uh, congratulations to Elmore on being inducted into the Kentucky, as in the state of Kentucky, Hall of Fame. All right, Jim, uh, we'll talk again next week. Of course, thanks to you. Thanks to the three guys on the other side of the window, the dynamic duo of Marty Allen and Kurt McLaughlin, along with Leo Simone. And the biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. We'll talk to you again next week for our next program on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network.